Good to have you with us here on the News and Views Radio Network. Obviously, we know what happened in Memphis. It was the news all over the weekend uh, when the video was released of the death of Tyree Nichols and uh, the well, the, the 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 beating, the murder. The I, you can call it just about anything you want. It's it's there. It's on video, and you know, there's a lot of conversations that are happening today about law enforcement and, and how law enforcement works. Uh, Chief Dave Zabolski with the Fargo Police Force is someone that is, has played different roles in law enforcement in different states. And so I was very curious to, to hear what he thought, having seen that video, and, and what this means for law enforcement as a whole. So, Chief Zabolski, good to have you in studio. Thanks, Joel. When you saw it, what did you think? Uh, it, words couldn't really describe it. It was just incredible. It, it's, it's unbelievable that... Um, police officers would abuse their authority in that fashion. I mean, it was just a, a, bu- a brutal assault. There wasn't anything law enforcement related about it after the initial stop of the car from from the very first approach of that vehicle. And we don't know what led up to it, but it really, really doesn't matter the way in which they just grabbed him out of the car uh, and then proceeded to um, struggle with him. And, you know, at, at no time through both of those struggles fights and and ultimately where they were just battering him in different ways kicking him in the head punching him in the face hitting him with a baton uh, did anyone ever try and take him into custody and handcuff him and uh, it really reminds me a lot of if you think back to the rampart scandal in los angeles uh, back in the 90s i believe where they had a unit that was uh, rogue uh, like maybe this unit might be i don't you know know all the inner workings but um, it really looked a lot like that so when when you see something like that and and it's your job to see crime to recognize crime and to enforce crime and and then to leave you know the the courts try crime i understand that but when you see it and you know that that those men are are wearing blue that that they're one of that organization that you've put your right hand up and swore to uphold i mean what happens in the community i mean do, does do you find yourself in a position where there's anyone you work with that in any way, shape, or form could justify something like that? Uh, the last question, no, not at all. There's absolutely no justification for what really is just sickening and, and disgusting actions, criminal actions on, on the part of those individuals. Uh, what I think about in terms of the community is I immediately start to be concerned that um, again, what is done in, in one agency by a group of officers or one officer can adversely affect the community relationships and trust that we work so hard to build here. And and that does happen from that broad brush perspective. Uh, but I think, you know, looking at that, and so we wanted to get a message out right away to our community to uh, let them know that um, we saw this as uh, not lawful, criminal in nature, and uh, the appropriate measures were being taken by the folks down in Memphis uh, that we didn't want this to adversely affect our relationships and that we wanted to continue that conversation. So the chief of police in Memphis didn't wait for some, you know, review, some anything. Uh, that chief of police said you fired. Uh, you you do not need to be wearing the uniform of this. How would have you handled that? Right. Well, now, again, there's different. Tennessee, I think, is a right-to-work state as well, and so there's no unions um, that would otherwise, uh, well, in this instance, very similarly, we would at least put them on admin leave and take suspended their police powers while that investigation was conducted. Now, what really assisted the chief is that the state's attorney in uh, Memphis 
quickly began their criminal investigation and quickly was in a position to issue charges as well. So um, within really just, what, about a week or so, um, they had the investigation done. Uh, They were going to charge these individuals uh, with a variety of uh, felony crimes. And so it put them in a position to move that ahead much, much quicker. Uh, and also to meet with the family and go over video and, and also publicly release that video. So when you watch the video, uh, you know, as a as a member of law enforcement, you probably look at it a little bit differently than what what I would as a citizen. You know, the, the immediate action, the striking, the individual that's going over and over again, I'm going to notice that. What you're probably going to look at, this is what I'm I'm – suspecting is the people around him, why they didn't stop him. It took me two, three times of watching the video to get there because to me, the the people wearing a badge such as you are today that didn't stop him are just as guilty as the ones that are beating him. And I realize there was more than one person beating. Him. Right. Well, absolutely. I think even in this case, they've got some firefighter or medical personnel that are potentially facing charges or some type of... And they uh, should. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but, it, no, I mean, the, each officer has a duty to, to intervene in those situations. Uh, we talk about that in our use of force policy. We talk about it in our uh, training. And I uh, just talked about it last week with our, our new batch of police recruits that are, who are in-house and how important it is and actually was able to relate this Memphis situation directly to that uh, at that time, the video wasn't out, but I said, look, when the video comes out, you need to look at that and and see and identify where someone should have stepped in and stopped this because every one of them continued to attack this individual and uh, really above and beyond their lawful authority, never tried to arrest them. No one stepped in and stopped it. Uh, it was just, uh, it's really just sickening. You had five black police officers uh, taking the life uh, of a black suspect, and I still don't know what he's suspected of. I mean, I don't know what he was. Was he ever to be charged? I mean, he died later. So was he charged with anything? Sure. You know, I don't know those answers either. I mean, I still don't have that answer, but you have, you have five black police officers beating a young black man to death. Um, Do you believe that in any way, shape or form, this was driven by race? No. And I think actually, um, the, this really highlights the fact that in a lot of these instances, sometimes there is an immediate assumption that because uh, the race of the officer versus the race of the individual, that it's, there's a racial component. And that, absent other information to the contrary, is usually not the case. And this is a perfect example of, you know, we're, ta- we're not talking about race issues when we talk about police abuse of authority, especially excessive force. We are talking about agency cultural issues. And we can look at different agencies and different regions of the United States. Uh, I've traveled around many of them, uh, not just working, but instructing. And you can see different cultures in these areas. And some of these cultures are very deeply steeped and they may not be the right culture. And so uh, Chief Davis, I think she's been in place there about a year, is really trying to, I'm sure, get her hands wrapped around that culture and understand it so that she can make some effective changes. But you know, it's very difficult when you talk about a Memphis, Chicago, um, Baltimore, those types of cities that have very deeply steeped cultural ways of doing things in law enforcement. And you can see where those bad stories come out of. Um, and so not every agency, not law enforcement in general has those issues, but it's certainly something that as a profession affects us all 
And we have to be very cognizant about each one of our individual agencies as the profession and that we have a healthy uh, culture. So as a chief of police, you're in charge of a lot of men and women. Uh, and when you look at that, should there be these special units with special powers? Because if you look at the age of these police officers, uh, there were five individuals and I think only one was in their thirties or maybe two. They, these were young men. Sure. Why would they be handed additional power beyond what the badge itself gives them? Well, I, I think the first thing that really points out is that someone had to train them to do this. Uh, they're all new cops. And so how were they socialized into the culture of the Memphis police department? I think that's going to be step one. And they were shown this method, right? This isn't something they dreamed up on their own. Uh, and so, you know, that's something that as they came into the organization, they learned, uh, may have gotten away with in other, in other instances. Uh, so I think that's, that's a big part of it. And could you just repeat your question one more time? Well, uh, you know, they're all so young. Oh I, yeah. I mean, how do you form and, and sure. place them in some special unit? So our, our departments generally uh, across the U.S. and here in Fargo too are, are very young because we've had a lot of retirements, resignations across the board. So there's a lot of young departments out there. And the way that you are bringing these people in um, and training them is important. But there are also, if you go back 20 years, you didn't get on a specialty unit unless you had five or more years on. Um, this generation, they want those opportunities sooner. And also, as a, I think, as a just natural out, uh, outcome of more younger cops, we have younger cops in those positions. Now, those specialty units do serve a purpose, but they have to be uh, very well supervised. They have to be very well led. And you have to make sure that you stay on the playing field. And uh, this group certainly did not. And actually, when you look at the name Scorpion, Scorpion kills people. Yep. Right? And so, again, part of culture. And when I was uh, even with Milwaukee PD. And it stings. It, it stings, yeah. Yep. Many years back in Milwaukee, we had a rogue group of cops who uh, operated under the Punisher symbol. And they identified themselves as the Punishers. And they were involved in a lot of different things that came up uh, over time. And, and some of them went to jail as a result as well. So, Internally, as police leadership, you really have to look at how do we uh, how do we identify ourselves? How do we name our specialty teams? Because that sometimes even describes what they're thinking their mission is. Well, and and ponder this during the break, Chief. And if you have to go out and save a life, just hold off on that for a sec. Uh, my question is going to be this: How does someone like me deal with this? Because I think that the biggest minority when it comes to policing is the police themselves. I, I think that you, you're outnumbered, you, you're out there doing a job, and in most cases you're going to be sitting there vulnerable. I have stood up for the men and women in blue all my life, and I will continue to, but how does someone like me reckon and, and basically represent that and look at that and not say something major has to happen? And that's what I want you to think about uh, during the break. 237-5948-1800-880-5346. Chief Dave Zabolski is with us. We're talking about what happened in Memphis. We're talking about whether or not it's uh, a symptom of all things in law enforcement. And my question before the break was, for people like me that support law enforcement and always will, what do we say to those individuals who look us in the eye and say, look, Here's examples we need to change law enforcement systemically. It, there's a problem. What's your answer to that? 
Well, I, again, I think there are there are definitely areas that need to be improved, and I think you really need to look at um, again look from a local perspective versus a regional or a broad brush perspective because. As we said earlier, you know, a lot of these agencies have very steeped cultural norms that may not be what we would expect or want as uh, really good guardians or public servants. And there are new leaders being put in place in a lot of these departments. Uh, Chief Davis has been in Memphis just a short period of time that are trying to effectuate that cultural change. And I think from a community perspective, you have to support those individuals and those leadership efforts uh, so that they can get it done. Because a lot of times those efforts can be upended uh, either by, you know, sometimes on the elected side who, who may get secondhand information from those individuals who are being steered in a new cultural direction and don't like it um, and try and kind of upend the operation that way, kind of resistance to the change. Uh, and then the leader's not supported and you never affect those changes. So it's a, it's a difficult thing to observe from the outside. You really have to see it on the inside. Uh, but I think the big key is you know, maybe even more training at the leadership level in law enforcement uh, to deal with these issues all the way down to your line level supervisors, um, you know, so that they have an understanding of what, what cultural cues should be should you be looking for to mm-hmm. identify potential problems. I can tell you that years back, you know, I saw a whole bunch of guys running around with the Punisher stickers on their uniforms, whatever. I, you know, I don't think we thought too much about it until we realized what they were really up to. And you know, this rampart is a very similar situation, and, and you've got this group called the Scorpions. So, I, you know, who knows? I uh, just think that definitely changes, and in a lot of places, changes are underway. What what type of price does a new chief? You're not so new to this community anymore. You've established yourself, and people know you, and they 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 know who you are as a person. When when they when you see something wrong. You come in and you get the keys. Okay. The Fargo city commission just said, you got the job and and you come in and you see something you feel is wrong and you change it. Mm -hmm. This is still a small community. I mean, it is, it's huge by my Manador versus Fargo standing. I I get that, but everybody knows everybody or they know somebody who knows somebody. Uh, What price do you pay by saying, you know what, Joel, you don't get to do this anymore. Abby does. She's better at it. Well, you know, sometimes you get pushback on that. And I think, you know, we explaining what we're trying to accomplish is one thing. But as I said before, if there's a real stringent belief that the way we've been doing it is the way we want to keep doing it for whatever reason, you can get pushback and you can get people trying to walk or work around the leadership to kind of upend that change. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of changes in Fargo PD, for example, that have been implemented over the past couple of years relative to culture and how we do things. My very first week I addressed a, an issue in, in terms of use of force and some folks took that very, um, in a very adult, you know, learning type of fashion and some of them, you know, had a tough time with it. And uh, but those are the things we have to do. And the other piece of that is, you know, I, I don't think it's, in some instances maybe it is, but it's not beneficial overall for me to, to push that information out in a public venue because, you know, all these other cops that are working there that are trying to make those changes and do the right thing, uh, you know, you don't want that negative perception to broadly affect them. And so it's kind of a difficult little navigation between making sure that we do things the right way. And our internal investigations are open for review. Our advisory board can go over and see some of the things that we've done and have those no, discussions. No, but if it's, if it's right here on talk mm-hmm. radio or on the front page of the paper or whatever, it's not going to be as easy to affect change. It's not. No. Well, yeah. no, I mean, that's... Yeah. I get it, and and I respect it. Uh, Chief, good to visit. Thanks for coming Thanks, in. Thanks, Joel. Appreciate it. Uh, you bet.